No, baby, that's for somebody else. We're just going to keep you right where you're at right now. The Wrestling Realm presents Break It Down with Brian H. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Mother's Day. Welcome to this episode of Break It Down with Brian H. I'm your host, Brian H. Waters. Of course, this show is brought to you by the Wrestling Realm. I'm going to be fully transparent here. It is difficult producing and directing your own show. Try to make sure I get these tweets out and I can see that this link has uh, decided to move on its own, but I'm going to go ahead and post it for those out there in the Twitterverse that, oh, they almost messed up the wrong one, but those out there who would like to join the show. So I'm going to go ahead and post it out there for those out there listening. Thank you very much for tuning in. Um, Money in the bank. But before we get there, so I can get myself together, get my focus together, let me know exactly where you can find us. Right there on your screen, if this is your first time watching, and click the button to subscribe down low. Describe, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at Instagram, at Wrestling Realm. Make sure you are in the Facebook fan page, and make sure you have... Downloaded the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you name it, we are there. Folks, money in the bank. It was unprecedented. It was the first time that we've ever seen anything like this. We saw Otis. That was a shock. And Oscar become Mr. and Miss money in the bank so it was different um they said you know of course they could have did the ladder match and it could have been right there at the performance center had everybody beat the crap out of each other and we still would have been entertained when you look at the parties involved there's no doubt about it that you would have enjoyed the match however wwe decided they wanted to do something different they put the match at the wwe headquarters and I thought that was brilliant. I really enjoyed it. I like they had their interests. They were standing outside of the corporate, um, you know, near the corporate elevators. We're going to call it corporate because it's what it is. It's a corporation. They were standing out there near the elevators. They were waiting for their, you know, everybody came out there. They had their interests. And then, boom, let the games begin. They ran all over the place. And I'm going to be honest with you. I got to go back and check it out. I'm going to give a special shout out while, um, as I start to show off because, Gotta give a shout out to those wrestling girls, the Jabba Tears, and the Dead Ass Girls podcast held a special viewing party and they invited me to attend. So, of course, I had to go show up, show out for the wrestling realm. I was there, enjoyed myself, got a chance to network with so many other wrestling fans, um, including um, Black Wrestling, uh, Black Wrestling Alliance was there. Oh, man, it was, it was so many different podcasts. Forgive me for not remembering everybody who was in the building. But, you know, it was so much fun. Like I said, fresh out of the um, fresh out of the viewing party, just being able to go in there and really enjoy it. But I was watching the match and I said, you know, it was a lot of cool spots. So one one thing I liked that they did, because I did say a few weeks ago, a lot of you guys like the show, cinematic wrestling. 
cinematic wrestling works and the thing i learned as far as the cinematic cinematography working i said i don't want to see it all the time however it worked for this cinematography and wrestling work for something like this money in the bank is a big deal you hold that briefcase you essentially if you play your cards right as more than 60 percent of the men and 100 percent of the women have done you have an automatic bid to become the next wwe universal wwe champion uh, smackdown women's champion overall women's champion so when you have that briefcase you it's, it's money in the bank essentially so i said some picks early if you caught the pre-show i said that there were people that i i was the women's i was very torn on to be honest which i can't remember who i picked because i was so torn on it but i remember if you remember last wednesday i had queen pr of those wrestling girls shout out to those wrestling girls listening in had queen pr and she said if oscar wins if Oscar wins, she would have so much fun with it and would be so interesting to see. And you saw that when Oscar climbed the ladder as she was literally pushing Baron Corbin as if he was an opponent. He was in her way because she knew she had her eye on the prize and it made sense because let's be real, Corbin could have done the same thing. So Oscar outsmarted Corbin and you may say, well, why is she doing that? They're going after different briefcases. Nope. She didn't want to take that chance. She got rid of him. Boom. He was done. So I was watching and I said, man, you know, this is, <laughs> this is good stuff right here. Um, but just looking at it, you know, I loved how they were both. It made sense for both matches to take place at the same time. It wouldn't have made no sense because if the men's match was taking place first or the women's match was taking place, the second match would have had to deal with all the leftover chaos that was in that had happened before so it made sense for this to take place i love the fact that they didn't shy away like the paths wasn't going across and when necessary there were inter intergender spots you saw um shana baszler choking out ray mysterio you saw then the eventual winner um otis i almost called him omar for some reason otis and nia Jax. Boom, smashing Ray. I was like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. So I uh, really enjoyed that match. Uh, I thought I would, to be honest with you. I kind of had an idea they would put, a, um, you know, give it a cinematography spin, but they didn't overdo it. To me, overdoing it would have been trying to duplicate the um, Firefly Funhouse match. That would have been crazy. Or trying to even duplicate um, the Boneyard match. No, don't do it that way but it didn't need to be like Edge and Randy Orton. So, big shout out, big uh, shout out to WWE for this. I'm just checking my phone, man. And I know a lot of people out there watching, currently watching um, The Last Dance, WWE's version. I mean, excuse me, uh, the NBA, Netflix, ESPN version. I'll, I'll watch that later. I was like, man, Money in the Bank, I'm going to talk about it. I don't even want to pick up The Last Dance. But, you know, that's just a little transparency. But um, back to Money in the Bank, it was just a good match. Um... I really enjoy seeing Mella is money in her gear back, but if I got to pick on her, man, she looked a little dolled up. Hey, Carmella, okay, you looking fly. A little dolled up to be getting ready to get messed up, but that's just me nitpicking. Uh, but I did like the Mella on money, so I know I'm saying she was being dolled up, but in the end, I still like the fact that, hey, she's Mella, she's money, she's the first women's money in the bank ladder match winner, so it was pretty cool to see. 
Um, so shout out to her for that. I, um, yeah, so, um, but I also, Dana Brooke, I, I loved the fact that she went into the corporate office, the money in the bank room and grabbed that briefcase. It was so on brand for her. This is why. And I'm, and people may think I'm about to call her dumb blonde. Nope, not by any means. It was on brand for her because Dana Brooke has been somebody who has kind of been on the back burner and now she's finally getting this opportunity. You know, I was a huge fan of when she was with Ric Flair, um, when she was with Charlotte Flair. And it was like Ric Flair said, she's found, Charlotte has found her arm. And I was really hoping that they was going to run with that for a very long time. Unfortunately, they didn't. So I was like, all right. But then you saw like little flashes here and there. And you know what? I think I, I, I know I said I wasn't on the Dana Brooke bandwagon. I got off a little bit. I think I'm going to get back on. But nonetheless, I really enjoyed that, you know, you can kind of get behind her and support her and really hope that she gets her opportunities. So she went out there. She went and grabbed that briefcase and she was like, wow. And then I'm sitting there thinking, like, no, wait a minute. They said the roof. And all of a sudden, here comes Stephanie McMahon. So I really love the cameos by Stephanie and Vince. But right here, I love with Dana Brooke because the reason why I say it made sense because she was so excited that she forgot that rule. She saw the first thing that resembled the grand prize. That was the briefcase with money in it. Not thinking, oh, no, wait, it's not supposed to have money. It's supposed to have a contract. So because of that, it made sense for her to kind of get to a point where she got excited. But... I did love the fact that she didn't stay, you know, down and that would be the end of her. So it's a lot to unpack here in this matchup. And I mean, it was just, it was, it was a really good match. Very entertaining. I'm going to go back and watch it again. Probably watch it with my kids. I think that might be something they enjoy, but it was really cool to see them go around the corporate office. Another thing, Vince McMahon, I mean, him being in there. I thought it made sense. Of course, he put the two biggest stars in the match, AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan, two former um, main eventers of pay-per-views, two guys former WWE champions. It made so much sense. The guy who one guy who beat the other guy. So I like the fact that they did that, having Daniel Bryan, having AJ Styles in there. And it was kind of, it, what I looked at, it was like, it was kind of like that moment, like, well, you two know better. What are you doing in here? And then, it, all right, and then they fixed the chair. So if it's any two guys in the match who could have pulled that off and made it entertaining, it was obviously them. So, um, like I said, good stuff right there. Money in the bank. Uh, you also had the, um, you also had Johnny Ace. John Laurinaitis coming in. People power dressed in the suit. You had Bruce Pritchard. Brother love, you know. Dare say, this generation, so many of the young ones may not have known and really grew up with Brother Love the way I did. I know anytime he's on the screen, I call my mother and I say, hey, Maya, did you see Brother Love? She knows exactly who I'm talking about. That's why we ain't really careful when Diddy tried to call himself Brother Love. Like, no, 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 no. You got enough gimmicks as it is. But you had him come out there doing his thing. I mean, making his appearance. So I thought that was cool. It, it, we all know he works there, right? So I really enjoyed the spots that they had in here. Now let's talk about the winners. Oscar, money in the bank. Um, I would love to see her cash in on Becky Lynch 
as we were saying on the women's wrestling episode uh, with Queen PR of those wrestling girls, you had Becky and, and Asuka was that one nemesis of hers that she couldn't get past. And she finally did it. Now, Asuka is kind of getting going. If you think about last year, last year around this time, Bailey won. Bailey was fresh off a women's tag team championship run with Sasha Banks. One that may, you may not say was a big run, but it was something that people were looking into. And the fact of the matter was this. Bailey and Sasha were, you know, Sasha had left. Bailey was kind of left in limbo. Then all of a sudden, she wins money in the bank. Would cash in that night and become champion. But the briefcase, the match had got her going again. You look at a couple years ago, I thought, um, I remember me and Corey was at a SmackDown. Shout out to Corey, uh, of, uh, nephew Corey of the Wrestling Marks of Excellence podcast. That was an opportunity for Becky Lynch to get going, and she lost to Mandy Rose clean. So, you know, th- these are the opportunities. This is the opportunity for Oscar. For all you Oscar fans out there, this is an opportunity for her to get going again. And I know what you're saying. You're worried. You're worried that she's going to be the first person to win money in a bank that's not going to cash in. I know it. And I don't blame you. I wouldn't blame you for being worried. Because it would feel like if anybody who would have to receive that type of disrespect, it would be Oscar. But we're going to think positive here. Um, You know... Yeah, as a matter of fact, let me tweet that. Um, head on over to the wrestling room. You know, like I said, multitasking. Uh, will Oscar be the first woman, women's money in the bank winner, to not successfully cash in the briefcase? Brian H. Waters discusses live right now. You know, you gotta sometimes do that. All right, so shout out to oh, shout out to Jeff Watson just following the wrestling realm. Appreciate it, brother. Appreciate you following us. So that's the thing. Will Oscar become the first woman to not successfully? cash in money in the bank i hope not but it is possible you know it definitely is possible um so we'll see um let me put that in the wrestling realm group if you're on facebook join the wrestling realm group let me know uh that you join in case i might miss the questions or please answer the questions obviously if you're watching you know then you'll be able to say yes i watched the show um so but that's the thing. I don't think, though, I do think I would like to see her cash in on Becky Lynch. Keep that rivalry going. We all know it's Sasha Charlotte, right? Yeah, Sasha Bailey, best friends. But let's be real. When you think of, if somebody asks you, who is Sasha Banks's being Randy Orton to Charlotte, being, to who's her John Cena? It would be Sasha. It would be Charlotte Flair. You can create something right here between Becky and Oscar. 
You can keep that going. So, but let's talk about Otis. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, man. No. Mm-mm. But, yeah, let's talk about Otis, right? Here's a man who's currently the WWE Men's Money in the Bank briefcase holder. He was the first, the furthest person I thought went. Now you look at him; he's been on a roll since WrestleMania, right? I mean, he got Mandy Rose, and now he's Money in the Bank. Otis is living that good life. So, I don't know though. Um, I just don't know. I don't see him. I see him successful. It's it's hard. Let's be real. Do you really see Otis as Universal Champion? He is somebody that I could see. Dolph Ziggler beating him for the briefcase and Dolph Ziggler get going again. I just can't see Otis as universal champion. I really can't. I'm looking at it. I mean, you look at SmackDown. You got Braun Strowman. You got Bray Wyatt, who, yeah, he lost, which we'll talk about later. But then you also got in the mix, you got, uh, you got um, Daniel Bryan over there. <laughs> Roman Reigns when he comes back. And I'm going to say it, Roman Reigns. I know there's this talk about not mentioning Roman and all that other stuff. I'm going to mention Roman. You still, He's still a player. So you got all these people. Can you really see Otis as the WWE Universal Champion? You got Tucker right there, his partner. I thought those two were marketable. I said, okay. Tucker, Otis, you got the... You know, the heavy machinery, you can sell heavy machinery toys, you can get a toy line, trucks or something. All right, so we'll see. Um, Maybe you don't break them up, but do you really see Otis winning? Or, but now I think they've gone too far with the Mandy and Sonya storyline, so I don't think Mandy would turn on Otis and get with Dolph to help Dolph win the briefcase. But that's where I think they're going. I just don't see it. Somebody let me know at Brian H. Waters at Wrestling Realm. Do you see Otis becoming the WWE Universal Champion? I'm going to be this guy. I really hope they don't waste our money in the bank. I will say this. In 2017, I thought, I believed that they wasted money in the bank. I did not think Baron Corbin should have won that briefcase. Say what you want. I don't think Baron Corbin should have won. I thought it should have been that year. It should have been AJ Styles or Shinsuke Nakamura or somebody else. And clearly, they didn't believe in Baron. They took it off of him. That's why I thought he was going to win tonight. I thought they was like, all right, you know what? We didn't do it before, but, you know, tonight it's going to be Baron's night. But we'll see. We shall see. Otis, I just don't see it. Let me know. What do you think, folks? Let's talk about a WWE Championship match. We saw Drew McIntyre successfully defending the championship against Seth Rollins. This was my bathroom break match. All right, maybe not the bathroom, but I definitely was walking around the house. Um, you know, it wasn't bad, but all right. It's not that I don't like Drew, because I do. But I would have rather seen Drew lose and regain the championship with fans. Think about Roman Reigns, right? You go back to... Survivor Series 2015. I think it was 2015. Somebody, I, I might have her years wrong. But nonetheless, you remember winning the championship, it gets, he gets cashed in on. Sheamus, biggest heat, one of the biggest heels in the company, cashes in his money in the bank, right? All of a sudden, 
Roman is chasing Sheamus. Roman goes to Philadelphia, that same city in which he was booed in, and suddenly he's a hero. Even to the point he cuts a promo when he finally wins that championship. And that's what I would have wanted to see. Drew McIntyre perhaps losing, but then again, we don't know how long this pandemic's going to last. And obviously our prayers continue to go out for those affected by it. So, I don't know. Um, but I just, the match wasn't bad. I mean, I don't like Seth Rollins' gimmick. I see he's still doing this Messiah thing. In addition to doing the Messiah thing, it's just oh, it's so frustrating. Now he's got new music, so clearly it's not going nowhere. Um, but I mean, it, there's no doubt about it. The man is entertaining. It's just not. It's just not for me. But I'm not gonna lie to you. Yes, yeah, Seth Rollins is entertaining. Yes, Seth Rollins is WWE Championship material. He would definitely drew some heat. But I want to know what's next for Drew McIntyre. Uh, I said before I would like to see him and. Um, Andrade in a bigger feud, not just this drive by night stuff on Monday Night Raw, but I definitely want to see Jinder Mahal and Drew McIntyre. I don't have to see Mahal beat him, but I would like to see those two. Moving on to Universal Championship. By far the most entertaining match I've ever seen from Braun Strowman. I really enjoyed the storytelling here. You you watch the little nuances. You know, you have Bray Wyatt. Not being a fiend, but Bray Wyatt constantly reminding you, he created Strowman. He was the one who introduced the world. He brought Strowman in. Then you have Strowman going out there putting on a mask. And as he putting on a mask, I'm like, uh-oh. They hug. But all this stuff happens slowly. And then they hugged. And then they stopped. He took off the shirt. Took off the mask, destroyed it, and he beat him. But it was little stuff, you know, the puppets outside of the ring. And and that's one of the things that I really enjoy. And that's one of the things WWE is good at is utilizing stuff. And when it comes to Bray Wyatt, he's one of the best storytellers in recent memory. And there's no doubt in my mind that he really orchestrated and put this thing together. So, a great match. Um... Um, I, I think Money in the Bank is definitely a match of the night, but this was this was phenomenal. So um, let me know what did you guys think about this? How did you feel about it? Like I said, I really enjoyed it. Um, let's move on. You had the women's match, Tamina versus Bailey, SmackDown Live Women's Championship. Uh, this match was everything I thought it should be. We, we you know, you you try to get away from history. What history tells us. But we've been watching wrestling long enough, folks. We know that when you go down first, I mean last, and you get pinned last on a go-home show, nine times out of ten, you're retaining the championship or you're winning the championship. And that's exactly what happened with Bailey. She took the super kick, one, two, three. Then, you know, they tried to stir the pot with her and Sasha. I really like the fact that there was no nuances that really, at the end of the match, that was said, man, is she going to turn or is she not going to turn? Because... You, Doing something this slow, and, and we'll go back and look at this when we once it all happens. Doing something this slow, it made no sense to do it right there. You know, she 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 did what she needed to do. She got in when Bailey was down and out. Sasha did enough distraction without touching Tamina, and eventually led to uh, Bailey sneaking off with the win. And the the roll up, the roll up was as sloppy the way it should have been. Because she was catching Tamina off guard, and as she was catching her off guard, she was able to get the one, two, three, boom, uh, and and you know to, to celebrate happy, happily ever after. 
So, um, and now Bailey doesn't have to really watch her back unless Oscar decides to jump to SmackDown, which wouldn't be the worst idea, to be honest with you. But nonetheless, she doesn't have to watch her back because Bailey is um, Oscar's on Raw. So, but that was good. I, I really enjoyed that match. I think that for what it was, they they did ex- the, you know the story. I really like the fact that. You know, like a Charlotte Rhea Ripley. This is one of those matches that the ladies did their thing with there not being a crowd there. They made up for it. The the constantly bittering, jaggering back and forth made so much sense. And it was so fun to watch. So, yeah. So, let's move on. Let's talk about the uh, opening contest. The um, Fatal 4-Way match. The New Day retaining their WWE Tag Team Championships against Miz and Morrison, the Lucha House Party, and the Forgotten Sons. Solid opener. Great opener. You know, this is when um, I jumped into the um, the viewing party. And a lot of people tend to enjoy it. You know, there was over 40 of us in there. So, um, hopefully a few of y'all, if y'all was in the party, go ahead and hit the subscribe button to the wrestling realm. But yeah, over 40 of us in there, everybody seemed to enjoy it. I know I did. I thought that the way, um, they went out there, they did their thing. I'm glad it wasn't a ladder match. I know some people said they thought it should have been a ladder match. You tag team wrestling and ladder matches have been done so much that there's so many forgotten gems, you know, growing up. As somebody who grew up in the new generation era, really thrived in the Attitude Era, tag team ladder matches were special. I mean, you think back, the first, the, the one that everybody really talks about was the one for the, um, I think it was $100,000 with Terry Reynolds Services with the Edge and Christian versus the Hardy Boys, which to be honest with you, I haven't watched that match as many times as I've seen the other ones. I watched it, but not as much. Um, but then there's the TLC matches. Then you had, you know, you had TLC. First, you had the triangle ladder match. Then you had TLC one, TLC two. Then you had one on SmackDown with those three teams, but you also threw Jericho and Benoit in there. So then you had a few other matches. So there were so many, um, so much. They were not gonna say far and few in between, but they were kept more special. Now I feel like we get them so much that I don't need that many ladder matches, especially with tag team titles. Especially with this being a money in a bank night, just made absolutely no sense to make it a tag team match. But let them go out there and do their thing. Happy to see the New Day retain the tag team titles. But since we're on tag team wrestling, I got to talk about this. I was watch, listening to Chris Jericho's podcast with The Revival, or as they say, Fear of the Revolt. That's what FTR stands for. It used to stand for The Revival, and now it stands for Fear of the Revolt. And you listen to Eric Bischoff, and the real Dwayne Allen says this a lot of times in our group chat. I'm going to go ahead and share that. It's public information. Shout out to the click, the Flex Zone, and uh, merged with the Wrestling Room. He always reminds of what Eric Bischoff said. Bischoff said in one of his podcasts that tag team wrestling is so expensive when you think about always needing two people, you know, flying two people out, doing the tours and all. It's so expensive. That's why there's not so much emphasis. So I'm sitting there listening. I'm like, do anybody listen to that part? Everybody likes to complain about what the WWE is not doing with tag team wrestling. Then I thought about something. When you think about tag team wrestling, somebody may not agree, but think about the boom periods, right? Um... Yeah, make sure it's still working. All right, you think about the boom periods of tag team wrestling. You think about 
You think about um, the Attitude Era. There's a lot of money coming in, right? 1999, I always bring this up. I always think about um, SummerSlam 1999. There was a tag team turmoil match. I'm going to do my best to try to remember all the teams in there. You had the, um, you had the Hardys. Uh, you had Edge and Christian. I believe Edge and Christian was in there. Somebody will let me know if I'm wrong. You had the APA. Where, yeah, they were APA by then. They, weren't the, they had just finished being the Acolytes. Actually, Edge and Christian was still the Brood. Yeah, so you had the Brood. You had the Hardy Boys. You had the APA. You had Crash and Bob Holly. And there was a couple others. But in the tag team titles wasn't even on the line. But you had all these tag teams coming in and out, right? Then you also had for the in the championships, um, the tag team championship match that night was The Undertaker and Big Show winning the titles from X Pac and Kane. And one of the things they complained about was that if you are a tag team that's essentially thrown together, you have more chance for a TV time than being a tag team that came up together. And I'm like, look, I know these guys remind us of Tully and Arn, and they'll say they want to be more compared with Dennis and Bobby. But I'm like, did, so, did they not get the memo that tag team wrestling just doesn't draw money the way it used to? And I know somebody out there, well, yeah, but you can look at the Young Bucks. Yeah, but that's there and the young bucks are printing their own money you know sure they had new japan but they are doing their own stuff that's why they were able to leave new japan will aew really put the emphasis on tag team wrestling i guess another thing is will we care you know that's to be the big question will we really care about tag team wrestling so um i really want to see them get there an opportunity because everybody knows they're a great tag team. Um, you could make the argument of the greatest tag team in wrestling right now, the best tag team. You know, of course you got, you know, people say the young bucks, if you like spots, but when you look at the flawless stuff, Arn Anderson, which him and Tully Blanchard was, you know, considered one of the best tag teams of all time. He even said that they were better than him and Tully. You know, you look at Tully and Arn, it was quick tags. That's psychology. Okay. Keep, stay fresh, but beating down your opponent. That's what the Revival did. I don't even, you know, I ain't going to lie to you. I don't even know what to call them now, their real names. Um, But that was the interesting thing. So I was thinking about that as I was watching this tag team ladder match. And I was just thinking, like, because I was literally fresh off of listening to it. So I was like, man, this is definitely going to be interesting to see the Revival and... Um, just to see what the rival does now. But nonetheless, I think what the WWE is doing with the tag team division, they're doing a solid, as solid as they could do. But shout out to the New Day retaining the tag titles. We do know that one of the Usos is hurt. I believe it is Jimmy. Somebody let me know. You go ahead and jump in the chat or tweet me. But I do believe Jimmy is hurt for about six to nine months. Um, well, you know, prayers go out to him and what wishes him get better. So the New Day versus the Usos, which is a rivalry that you could always go to. We won't see that for a while. Shout out to my boy, the Shark, Sean Williams, jumping in. Says, I got to give 
credit, the money in the bank. I'm speechless. Shark, let us know what you're speechless about. I think you just jumped in. I obviously touched on that, so, you know, hopefully catch the replay. But I want to know, you go ahead and drop in the chat. What are you speechless about as we, um, you know, like I said, tonight was just a huge night. And you do look at tag team wrestling because essentially one of the teams will be broken up at least for a while or maybe not right away, but we kind of see it coming. How much longer do we have with heavy machinery? That is the question. Will they still be a team? Will they still be a unit? I think that when you look at them from the jump, you say, okay, most people do. Unfortunately, we've been programmed to look at it, And Jericho say he thinks it's disrespectful to say one's the Genetti and one's the HBK. No doubt about it. Anybody will tell you at one point it felt that, yeah, that Mario Genetti was the better wrestler. Now, Shawn Michaels just over, not anybody, I should say. Some people will tell you. Mario Giannetti was the better wrestler in the beginning, but later on, Shawn Michaels just passed him. But we do have to say there's no dis- you can't be disrespecting Mario Giannetti like that because, okay, hold on. He just said it. Otis said he would cash in the tag titles if he won money in the bank, but is that really going to happen? You know, Shark, that wouldn't... I- I could see that happening. Would you call it a waste or not? I wouldn't call it a waste. I mean, it says world championship. That could be a way. Now, that's a good point. And, and you know, to be honest, clearly, I must have, I forgot about it because it's been so much, so much going on. So I'm trying to keep up with a lot of things. But here's the thing. If he does cash in, does that to you make the tag team titles more important? Is that a waste of the money in the bank contract? You know? Is that a, like when you look at all these guys who were in it, right? So let's go back and look at it. Daniel Bryan, been a champion. AJ Styles, been a champion. King Corbin, he's held, held the briefcase. Alistair Black, I don't see him as a champion no time soon. I, I think he has a ways to go. The wrestling is there. The character and the connectivity. I don't know. Um, not my thing, but who knows? We'll see. Um, you know, but I still think he still has to find that following and it's very hard for him to do that right now because there's no fans. So it's kind of hard to see a guy like Alistair Black really get that fan connection. And he's saying Ray Mysterio was a former champion, but you know, he wasn't going. So yeah, Otis winning. Maybe if Otis does cash in on the tag with the tag team championships, maybe that makes people feel better. But I do know the IWC have been paying attention to you guys for about 10 years now. I think you'll be complaining. Um, Shark said, but also they've done nothing but bury Oscar since she came up. Now, all of a sudden, she could possibly cash in and fail against Becky. Shark, I said that earlier. I talked about it. Here's the thing. Oscar could win the money in the bank. I mean, she could win. She could win the championship. The money in the bank could have been the caterpillar she needs to get her going again. I don't think if she cashes in and fails, it. I think that people, I, I, I tweet out, will she be the first person to do it? And they may say, well, she could be protected because she's a champion. But I do think a lot of people will get upset if she is the very first person to do that. Some, they're they're going to have to. Eventually, they're going to do a lady cash in and not be successful. It took us, oh man, I can't even, who was the first person, if I'm not mistaken, was John Cena. And with him, it took us about a good five, six, eight years. That could happen 
with Oscar. This is only the fourth installment for the Women's Money in the Bank. So who knows? I really hope it's not her, though. I really do. Um, but, yeah, okay, he did say John Cena was the first fail. It could be. So who knows? We don't know. We simply don't know. Um, you know, he said, I don't think it's a waste for Oscar, if any, and for Otis, if anything, as more to Money in the Bank. It could literally be any title. And that was the thing. It was supposed to be any title, but let's be real. If you get an opportunity to get that cash hit that contract, you're going to go for the big dog. I mean, it only makes sense. It makes no sense to go after the Cruiserweight champion if you're Cruiserweight. If you got the WWE champion laid out flat on the ground and it's an opportunity to cash in, you do it. The only way you don't do it is if your name is Sheamus and you just got one title you want to add and that's the Intercontinental Championship. That's the only time. If you because he wants the Grand Slam championship, um, yeah, we I definitely remember Damian Sandow, he was the first rising star to fail, and that was one of those nights where I personally felt okay, Sandow's not going to get it, but maybe just maybe they'll give him a chance later. I thought Sandow, the only what happened with him was he got caught up in failing because they were getting merged the championships. And because of that, it was like, oh, shoot. He's got the briefcase. We're not going to let him be our universal champion. So that's the reason why I think they even did that. But nonetheless, he did have a great match with John Cena. Now, the biggest mistake he did was going out there and out-wrestling John Cena. Because you know what happens when you do that? You get buried. Ask Jack Swagger. So... Um, Undertaker's last ride, folks. Um, I was asked by uh, Cavante Smalls, I hope it says his name right, to do a retrospective or, you know, probably maybe a post-show. So I haven't decided yet. I got the bandwidth for it, to be honest with you. But while I got you here, why not review the first one? So I really enjoyed the fact that, for me, it really made you believe WrestleMania 33 was it. That was the last match. You saw the pressure that Roman Reigns had on himself to make sure he could get a good match out of him. And essentially, he couldn't. Um, Undertaker was not in good shape. And everybody even was saying it, that this was the worst they've ever seen him going into a WrestleMania. You know, you saw that they talked about the streak and how just one day they said, hey, you know you're undefeated at WrestleMania. And this is what I was talking about with uh, Queen PR the other day, was that you know, you look at it, his storyline just kept making sense. You look at The Undertaker's first like, first 10 wins, right? Um, they just didn't make sense for him to lose some of those matches. Jimmy Snooker, no. Jake the Snake, no. Um, Giant Gonzalez, no. <laughs> you know? Yeah, Jimmy Snooker, Jake the Snake, Giant Gonzalez. Then you had King Kong Bundy, no. Diesel, no, because Diesel was leaving, Right? Then, was that 12? So 13. Sid, absolutely not. <laughs> I did. Uh, so that's 13. Kane, maybe. It may have made sense for him to lose to Kane. Big Boss Man, no. Um, what was 17? Triple H at that time, no, because he was the baby face, you know? And, and you needed him to, you know, avenge what they were doing. It was a street fight. It was absolutely not. Then you go into, um, what was that, uh, Triple H. Then it was Ric Flair. No, <laughs> absolutely not. He was not losing 
So all these matches didn't make sense. Then the match when he was supposed to team with Nathan Jones, but they got rid of him because uh, he was not ready at WrestleMania 19. No. <laughs> then you move forward to um, was this WrestleMania 20 coming back against Kane. No, he was not losing that one. Then 21. 21 was um, Randy Orton. or I get the Randy Orton, Mark Henry ones mixed up. Yeah, Randy Orton, maybe. That might have made sense. You know, and, and that's what he said. Shark said he was there. Randy Orton could have been the one. That was the first one. Maybe, okay. John, uh, Mark Henry, maybe. And now we're talking the streak. Like, as we get into these years, we're really saying, okay, Undertaker has a streak at WrestleMania. Could this person end it? Maybe, maybe not. Batista, no. Undertaker was going to leave with that championship. Then we go to 24. And I've read a quote. Uh, where Michelle McCool said they wanted Edge to do it. And Edge said no. He did not want to be the guy. Undertaker was down. Uh, and I remember I was rooting for the Undertaker to lose. I was, I'm still a huge Edge fan. Happy to see him come back. But I wasn't mad that he didn't. And then, of course, 25 and 26, we get into the Shawn Michaels. Um, 25 seemed believable. Like, man, maybe Shawn could end the streak because Undertaker didn't beat him. But then when you really thought about it, he's like, no, because they make an emphasis that he didn't beat him. He's going to win. Then the career versus career match. We probably would have believed it if they didn't give us, like, a full DVD and the Hall of Fame and all that. Yeah, it was like, all right, Shawn Michaels is winning. Um, but then Triple H, the first time and the second time, it was kind of, you started thinking like, Triple H could play them politics. You know, CM Punk maybe, but you really didn't think so. But then when it came to Brock, and it came to Brock, you said, you know what? Brock may do it. Brock may end the streak. Nah, but but now we've got so immune to it, and we said, nah, there's no way Brock's ending the streak. There's no way it's going to happen. And then Brock ends the streak, and everybody goes quiet. So then, you know, he bounces back. And I love the fact that they talked about this. And one of the things that I saw was you really see the relationship that the Undertaker and Triple H have. It's a deep-rooted respect level there. In Triple H's DVD, King of Kings, he talks about going to the Undertaker when him and Stephanie were getting close. He talks about that. And he says, Undertaker told him, like, you know, you do this, everybody will not believe that you worked hard. You, you're going to put all that at, at risk and at jeopardy. So I thought that was good. And then afterwards, you get into the fact that, um, so, you know, I, I really love that under Triple H going to Undertaker before his match with Bray Wyatt and saying, you better remember who you are, you know? And that's just that motivation. You know, the same motivation that we saw Eddie Guerrero give Chris Benoit at WrestleMania 20. <sighs> so... But I, I like that. And then, obviously, 33, I thought that should have been it. That should have been over. And, yes, I'm saying it in a selfish way because I was there. And I felt that Undertaker and Roman Reigns, that was it. Undertaker left it all in the ring. He kissed his wife. Then, all of a sudden, he has a match with John Cena. And then he has a match with AJ Styles. So, we're going to get these matches, I guess. Let's just hope, you know, I'd like to see the Boneyard match. Can we get Undertaker's thing in a Boneyard match? Can, can we really? So, but yeah, check it out. Last ride. Uh, like I said, this first episode, they really get into that. I really want to see what they're going to do, what else they're going to talk about. Um, how can, you know, 
there's so much to unpack with The Undertaker. And then one of the things Chris Jericho talked about who's in there, he said, like, you know, I'm watching, and Undertaker never does podcasts. He's very private. So when he saw this camera crew, he said, oh, man, so this must be like a last type of match that they're documenting. Um, uh, you saw the fact that him and you saw him and Roman Reigns checking into the hotel and, and, and you know, they're standing next and he said, man, can't you kayfabe? And you could just see Roman Reigns' eyes light up. Yeah, he's in there. He's getting ready to get in the ring. And sure, he's not. Um, I mean, he's he's immune to the stars. I mean, his dad was Seeker. He was in the backstage with Hulk Hogan. And he was, he knew Vince as he was a child. So this is nothing new to him. But to be able to, like, you know, this is the Undertaker. This is Mark Calloway. You're going to wrestle him. And you just see that respect. And it makes me wonder. And, and you know, I would love to talk to people about this. So shout out to Shark. Because we'll, we'll, we'll probably talk about this soon. The respect level. And was the torch from the Undertaker passed down from Andre the Giant? Um, Andre was, you know, the locker room leader. And, and, and Bret Hart talks about in his book, how Andre, how he, you know, when Andre the Giant was like towards the end of his career and, and really breaking down, his body breaking down, he talked about how Andre, you know, he gave him a picture and he saw him light up. And it makes me wonder, I mean, I, I really hope, because the reason why I thought about this, because in the DVD, um, excuse me, in the first series, Undertaker actually has a Andre the Giant shirt on. It's a fresh shirt. He's working out. So there's, there's obviously some sort of level of respect and homage there. And I think about it, I was like, man, you, you go back at WrestleMania 7. This is the Undertaker's debut against Jimmy Snooker. Andre the Giant's on that show. As a matter of fact, um, nah, he turned babyface at WrestleMania 6. When Bobby Heenan slapped him, but um, yeah, he's on that show. He didn't wrestle, if I'm not mistaken. He yeah, he didn't wrestle, but he's on that show. So those two are in the locker room together. So I wonder. I hope they really get into that conversation of what Andre said to the Undertaker. What did Andre the Giant think about the Undertaker? What did he think about the character? You know, you hear about him not really caring for Macho Man uh, or Ultimate Warrior. So I really wonder, what did he think about him? I know Bret Hart talked about wrestling him in his book, and he said that when he wrestled Andre, um, you know, one time he didn't feel, he had an injury, and he told him, and he said it was like wrestling a pillow. So those are going to be interesting. Um, like I said, I may do some, um, may provide some content around that, some discussion. Um so I'll, I'll definitely keep everybody updated. But um, I'm going to get ready to wrap things up here, folks. Um, happy Mother's Day, man. I uh, got to give, obviously, a huge uh, shout out to my wife, Nakia, who um, is obviously a huge supporter of the Wrestle Room since day one. Uh, fun fact, we had just got together and then a few months later, or several months later, we created the Wrestle Room. So, yeah, shout out to her. Um other than my children, obviously, wouldn't, you know, have her cho- have children if it wasn't for her. So shout out to her. Happy Mother's Day to her. Happy Mother's Day to my mother. Uh, anybody who knows me knows that my mother is the reason that I love wrestling. She uh, supported it. She ain't take me to the shows because 
she ain't like the crowds. She wasn't into it as much no more. Her and my dad, definitely, my dad definitely don't like crowds to this day. But she would always brag that when she used to go, when I was into it, we used to do this. So, um, definitely want to give a shout out to her and happy Mother's Day to her. She, fun fact, for those who do not know, when my mother was pregnant with me, um, she was watching wrestling and she was couldn't change the channel. And every time wrestling would come on, because folks, kids, there was no such thing as everybody didn't have remotes, you know, one of these things. Everybody didn't have one. But, um, yeah, she said that every time it would come on, she would say, um, Vince McMahon would come on and say, welcome to the World Wrestling Federation. And when that would happen, I started kicking. She knew I was going to be a boy and, you know, now one day I own my own wrestling show. Shout out to my brother, the real Dwayne Allen. Picture right there. Um, but yeah, so definitely want to shout her out. Just want to shout out the real Dwayne Allen's mother. Give her a happy Mother's Day. Without her, there's no wrestling round. There's no real Dwayne Allen. There's no graphics. There's no uh, Godfather for my kids. Brother of mine, so shout out to her and shout out to all my godmothers and all my close friends, all my best friends. Happy Mother's Day! Thank you for the thankless job we gave. If um, if we had a million dollars, we couldn't thank you enough. And shout out to the mothers who are wrestling fans and the mothers who are the mothers of the wrestling fans who follow the wrestling realm. But ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me on this special post-show edition. For those who decided to tune in and watch after, you know, instead maybe instead of watching the last ride, I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, so until the next time, I'm Brian H. Waters. So long, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Break It Down with Brian H. Hit the subscribe button and turn on the bell so you get notified every time the Wrestling Realm posts new content.